my job on this expedition to try and find any evidence, dead or alive, to the existence of this. Taryn. Hi, Heather. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really, really, really well. I've had a really good week. I had a good last weekend. And hopefully this weekend will be just as good. <laughs> Heard you went down to that podcast thing. I did. I went down to go see Hillbilly Horror Stories and Ohio podcast and Mysterious Circumstance with Justin Rimmel. How was that? It was really, really fun. It was really good. The stories that they did were really, they were really, they were good. Um, if you guys have never been to a live podcast show, I suggest going. They're a lot of fun. Um, it's really good stuff. But see, the one that I went to in Indy, there was a lot of podcasters there, which is good. I got to talk to a lot of other people who do what we do. But at the beginning, Jerry from from Hillbilly Horror Stories comes up to me. He goes, hey, Heather, we're going to have all the podcasters come up one by one so you can talk about your show and get that out there. I'm like, oh, awesome. Great. But then I remembered how horrible I am at public speaking. (laughs) And he calls me up there. I go up there and then I completely black out. I don't remember what I said. I remember at the very end going, I don't know, that's it. And everyone laughed. So if you were there, I apologize for what I, I I don't know what I said. (laughs) I just know I was terrified. This is why I do a podcast. I'm talking to you and not in front of a whole bunch of people. I know a whole bunch of people are listening, but it just terrifies me to actually see the people who are listening. (laughs) So, note to self, help Heather with public speaking. Yes, I I need that. Honestly, that was one of the reasons why I dropped out of college. Was the public speaking? Yeah, I had to take one of those speech classes. And I'm I'm in class, it's fine. And he goes, I'm one of the toughest uh, speech professors here. So, if you pass my class, then that's great. And I'm like, well, crap. So I just kind of stopped going. <laughs> I, I I can understand that. Yeah, because I don't I don't do well with public speaking. I never have in high school. I would break out in hives by just standing up in front of the class and talking to them. So I'm not I'm not good at public speaking. <coughs> I wonder if I have to take one of those classes. I don't know. General, it's one of those classes where you have to take. I think I should be good then. I would hope so. Uh, well, probably. You have to do public speaking. I talk to people all the time. Yeah. I don't know. It was terrifying, but it was a really good show. <laughs> so thanks for all of our new listens that listeners that we've got going on. It's been pretty pretty awesome. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. It's like I didn't itch. Okay. So just to remind you guys, Heather told me this before we got started. Oh, yeah. This is a, what did you call it, a raw podcast? Yeah, this is going to be a raw episode. I'm not going to do any kind of editing. So whatever happens, say a kid comes out that door, you guys don't normally hear that because I edit it out. But if it happens during this episode, you guys are going to hear the whole thing. So I apologize now for everything that I say and do. 
because Heather edits out a lot of my stuff. I do edit pretty heavily on a lot of the episodes. So this episode, this is us. So you're going to get the whole coughing, what you just heard me scratching myself. (laughs) And I say so a lot, which I cut out a lot of those. And my yawning. And I try to cut out that, but it's kind of hard because you do it while I talk. I'm sorry. (laughs) I promise you don't bore me. It's just the pregnancy is training me. It's fine. It's fine. I can almost guarantee the kids are going to come out at least three times. At least. Well, you guys are going to hear some kids. It's going to be good. See, when we do our podcast, it's always just me and her. So all of the kids are in the house and I'm always like, okay, don't come out here. And, of course, they come out here. Let's don't come out here unless there's an emergency. Now, yeah. an emergency to a three-year-old is completely different than an emergency for a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old. Or an eight-year-old. Or a 50-year-old or an eight-year-old. Yeah. No, it's it's Ashlyn. She comes out here just to say, I love you. Good. I love you, too. Leave. Get out of here. I'm in the middle of recording. <clears throat> See? There we go. There's one. <laughs> well, Taryn, how was your week? It was good. Yeah? Yeah. Not really much to talk about. Hit 34 weeks. we got five weeks left until little man gets here. Woohoo! Yeah. Kind of excited about that. Still not ready. No? Still don't need to have half the stuff I need for the child. <laughs> well, got the clothes. Oh, that's really the first thing. And I made need. some shirts. Good. Still don't have a bassinet. I have three pack and plays. Well, those will work. You have them way too far down. Ah. Especially for that first couple weeks. That's true. Well, yeah, you're gonna gonna need to go get some stuff. And yeah, I told my husband we're gonna have to go shopping, and he goes, "Oh, for what?" I'm like, "Baby stuff." And he goes, "Oh, ah." I was always so excited to go baby shopping, but I guess I'm the mother, so yeah. But there's no Toys R Us anymore, so you can't just get all of it at one spot. Now you got to go to different stores to find the best deal. No, oh, that's true. Well, you could just look online first. Yeah, but I like to touch things. I know that sounds <laughs> weird. <laughs> Sounds very weird, but I like to like I I go to buy a book and I'm like I want to read a couple of the pages and like just open the book random to a page I'm like, ha, that's funny I'll get that one, <laughs> you know just to see if it's really what the hype it up to be yeah because anybody can make anything sound good and then it might be a piece of poop well, when you get it out yeah I guess which brings me to Taryn bought me a book you know how I do a weird fact well she got me a whole book full of. It's called The Totally Awesome Book of Useless Information, which is my jam. I love it. I could help myself. I went to, I was kid free. Mm-hmm. Kid free. Oh, I love it. And that. I got to go to a store. It's so great. By myself. No husband, no kid. It was fantastic. And I'm looking through this and I saw this book and I picked it up and I looked at it. I'm like, huh, oh, that's funny. And I put it down. I picked it up three times. <laughs> Why'd you keep putting it back? Because I didn't want to spend any money. Oh. I went in there with the goal of just looking at stuff, and I left spending 20 bucks. Well, Not just on your book. It was on other say. things as well. Okay. Like a whole bunch of stuff for my kid and some stuff for me and something for... Well, a whole bunch of stuff for 20 bucks. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was that five below. Oh, I love that place. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good store. If most of the stuff there didn't just break. That's why I got the cheap stuff. <laughs> I have a three-year-old. Oh, yeah. Flash yeah. cards. Candy books. Perfect. Yeah, it's so great. And I want I got a wine glass with the lid. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm excited about that. No spills. September can't come fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. 
No, don't do that. Sorry, my computer's being weird. Hmm. All right. Let's hear a weird fact out of the totally awesome book of useless information. Really excited about this, guys. Okay. Which one should I do? I close the book. Okay. Open it to a random page. Okay. Read the first one you see. There are 294 or 296 steps to the top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, depending on which staircase you're climbing. <laughs> There's two staircases. Nice. And they have a different number of steps. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Oh. <clears throat> All right. This episode, we've been getting quite a few different people who really want an episode on this subject. Is it the doll? No. That's not the doll. You said we're going to do the doll next. Yeah, I lied. The one time I remember <laughs> what we're going to talk about and you change it. I know. I lied. I'm sorry. No, I do. Every time I mention to someone, oh, I have a podcast and we talk about weird stuff, paranormal, you know, ghosts or whatever. They go, oh, you should do an episode on the Byron Health Center. Every time. Literally every time someone says that. And I said, fine. Fine, I'll do it. I'll give you what you guys want. This is the episode about the Byron Health Center. This is it, guys. That's you're having funny. it. No, no. All this- I know is your your dentist, mm-hmm. the one that you you know kind of made me go to. Yes, she 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 acted like a mom and made me go to the dentist. Yes, I did. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the middle of getting my mouth my teeth clean, and the dentist looks down at me. The dentist assistant, what's her name? An- Angela. Angela. She's the dental hygienist. Dental hygienist. She, uh, named Angela. She goes, so you do that podcast with Heather, right? Her hands are in my mouth. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I had to bring my name because it was just like. Oh, yeah. Random time to talk about podcasts, but you can't really talk about podcasts. Well, you know, I bring it up almost every time I'm in there. So. Yeah. Which is every six months. Because I get my teeth cleaned when the you're supposed to every six months. Yay. I may or may not start doing that. They normally schedule you right when you check out. They normally go, okay, here's your six-month one. We're scheduling it right now. Why well, I told them I had to figure out what my schedule was once I get back to work with oh. the baby and everything else. Oh, okay. Okay. So. That makes sense then. Yeah. Well, you should. Go to the dentist. <sighs> okay. All right, guys. So this subject is not going to be at all what you guys are thinking of, probably. Of course, I'm starting with the history. Always. Always. So we're going to start with the history of the Byron Health Center. Well, the Byron Health Center actually gets its roots. Are you okay? I have really bad acid right now. Oh, okay. So excuse my funny faces. No, it's okay. I just want to make sure you're like holding your heart. I'm like, she's not having a heart attack right now. I'm holding the sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. Wait, (laughs) sarcophagus. That's where mummies go. Uh, <laughs> I'm holding where it feels Esophagus. like Esophagus. Yes, where the acid feels like it's coming up. I'm trying to put my hand on pressure there to keep the acid from coming up, even though okay. it probably won't help. Yeah. It really makes me feel better. Okay. Sorry, guys. Okay. Boy, what an episode to go raw. <laughs> All right. The Byron Health Center gets its roots from the Allen County Poorhouse. It was... Established in the year 1853 and was first located in a section of wilderness in Wayne Township. 
which as of today is the location of the old Elmhurst High School. Elmhurst High School is no longer a high school here. But that's where it is. Okay. All right. Do you know what a poorhouse is? What's a poorhouse, Heather? A poorhouse is basically a farm or a home with able-bodied residents that are required to work. Can they? But they're exactly what it is. It's a poorhouse. They're either so poor they can't afford to live anywhere, so they go to the poorhouse, or... It's basically for people who are really old and disabled. But if you're able to work, you have to work. <clears throat> so at least it gives someone somewhere to go other than being on the corner. On the streets, yes. So this was, I think this was more of a cleanup effort. And there's a lot of different cities and towns that had poor houses. Basically, they were just trying to get the homeless people off the streets. So they made these poor houses to send them. I can see the benefits of that. Yeah. But I can also see a lot of negative stuff from that. Yeah. Like the drinking, the abuse, the fights, the drugs that all go with it. All in the one area. Yeah. So instead of being across the city, it's now all jam-packed in the one house. Yeah, but I guess it makes the city look pretty. Or prettier. I don't know. I don't think it's a very good idea. But it, it worked. It worked for the time. The farms did... There's poor farms up until like the 30s and they started going away in the 30s and definitely were gone by the 50s so they lasted for quite a while sounds like it <clears throat> allen counties did not last for that long but we had one your cough is so cute just so you know oh, thanks <laughs> <laughs> i'm, just, I'm I mean, trying to clear my throat i know and... The way you do it, it's just it's so funny. I, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. So in 1853, George L. Parker was employed to keep the, they called them the poppers, the people who lived there. They called them poppers at the poor farm for an annual sum of $600. We got $600 a year. And John A. Robinson was there to build a house for the inmates for $750. Those facilities were enlarged in 1854, so a year later, and again a lot in 1860. During the directorship of James M. Reed, so he's the new guy who is now technically like the superintendent of the place, in those years, he was required to furnish uh, horses, wagons, cows, farming equipment, anything that was necessary to, to run the farm, basically. And he got paid $800 to do all this for the, the people who lived there. In 1864, the height of the Civil War, the entire facility was moved and an infirmary was built. As the big centerpiece to the new farm. The area where this was is on present day Bluffton Road Bridge. I guess there's a neighborhood there called Indian Village. I think I know what you're talking about. That's where that is. Was. That's where that was. <laughs> so if you live in Indian Village, you are living on the land that held the Allen County Asylum. Hmm. Which I never knew we actually had an asylum here. But that was the asylum. Good to know. Yeah. The new, blah, blah, blah. 
The new infirmary building was completed in June of 1865 for a grand total of $14,468, which was a lot of money back then. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't do that whole research of how much it would be in today's money, but I can just imagine it would have been a lot. Let's see. How much was it? Uh, fourteen thousand four hundred and sixty-eight dollars. Fourteen. Fourteen four six eight. She's checking for me, so you guys will know how much this infirmary what year? cost. In the year of 1865. Just keep talking when I find it. All right, cool. All right, the expansion of the infirmary space was again required in 1871. And under Superintendent John Spice, Spice? 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 I don't know. <laughs> Provisions were made to offer care for the convenience and better management of the different classes of inmates. Ugh. Alright. So that's where it starts. Now we're going to talk about... Oh, hold on. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> Bless you again. Excuse me. Come in threes? Sometimes. Not today. Not today. All right. Ugh. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, got crap in my throat, guys. I'm sorry. This is not a good episode to go wrong. <laughs> Expansion. Wait, I already did that. All right. We're going to talk about tuberculosis. You know much about tuberculosis? I know very little about it. Well, it was a very big deal back in the early 19, um, 1900s. It was known as the White Plague. It was often fatal side effect of a town booming and becoming bigger. <clears throat> a lot more people would get sick and contract tuberculosis. So new jobs and rapid population growth resulted in crowded housing that often lacked basic sanitation. Workplaces were often no better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got it for you. Oh, good. Well, Kind of. Okay. So $100 in 1865 mm -hmm. is equivalent to $1,571.12. Oh, my goodness. So $14,000 would be like a million. Probably, yeah. Probably close to a million dollars. Here, what's wow. that number? How much is that number again? Uh, just go with a straight up $1,400. $1,400. Oh. <laughs> so fourteen hundred and sixteen eighty five. Eighteen sixty five. Eight, sorry, eighteen sixty five. <laughs> it's typed as an eighteen sixty five. Oh, okay. <laughs> Two hundred and nineteen thousand nine hundred and fifty six dollars and thirty two cents. Oh, okay. That's a lot less than what I was thinking. According to this app's calculations. That's still a lot of money. But yeah. <clears throat> that is still quite a lot of money. All right, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's okay. All right. Fort Wayne, because tuberculosis was starting to get 
quite bad, started the Fort Wayne Anti-Tuberculosis League, which was organized in 1910. There was a total of 122 tuberculosis deaths in 1909. So they were like, huh, we should probably get together and do something about this because it's not good. And in 1910, there was 126 deaths. Hmm. So it's a kind of a good thing they got this together. The ant, I'm going to, I'm going to call tuberculosis TB from now on because that's just a loud, sorry, kids. See, I told you this would happen. What, Ashlyn? What do you want? I love you, I love you too. I, I said this would happen. There's one. There's one. <laughs> All right, so the Anti-TB League focused on service and education. A nurse called on patients in their homes and visiting schools and other community organizations, teaching about sanitation and good health practices. But it soon became apparent that an isolation facility was needed. At the end of March and in early April of 1911, the League sponsored Health Week downtown. And a whole bunch of doctors and people came from all over the surrounding Fort Wayne area just to listen to these doctors talk about how bad TB was getting. And this is what you can do to help stop it. And it was it was quite the week. This is why you wash your hands. Absolutely. But they didn't know that back then. <laughs> All week, hundreds of people listened to lectures, viewed exhibits, taking away better understanding of different strains of tuberculosis. Scientific research showed that the strain most responsible for killing infants and children could be controlled by strict inspection of milk. Hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. There were no known cures at that time. The strain that infected the lungs and often proved fatal is what most people were were contracting here in Fort Wayne. <clears throat> By September of 1913, more than 600 local residents were suffering from the disease. Yeah, that's crazy. 200 were so sick that nothing short of a miracle could save them. And most of the remaining 400 victims might survive if they could be properly cared for. While TB sanitariums were, you know, being established everywhere else, Fort Wayne at this time did not have a facility for TB. That same year, they did pass a bill to, to get a county hospital built, but there was a flood and they were very concerned about where they were going to put it because of this flood. They hired a trained nurse to visit patients in their homes in the meantime. Her name was Sylvia Shively, but apparently she didn't stay very long, and a nurse named Irene was hired. Irene's important to the story. Enter Irene Byron. Hmm. <laughs> no one knows why in the world Irene Byron had such an interest in TB. No one really knows why she did, but maybe it was the timing since TB was around a lot. She entered nurses training at Hope Hospital in 1906 and worked as a private duty nurse until she was hired as director of the Anti-TB League in 1913. As a first step, the Anti-TB League 
opened a free clinic and dispensary. So they didn't have a building yet, but they did open up a free clinic at least. They were doing something. They were they were trying. Irene, now as the league's executive secretary, took responsibility for supervising programs of home care. Irene directed the camp and the the clinic in the city. She also worked to establish the city's first fresh air school, which is only the second one in the whole state. And this this was for the weak, anemic children who could very easily get TB and die. Now, when you say fresh air, yes, is this like the no smoking in the building? No, or is this fresh air as in like open windows, open concept? See, when people okay. got tuberculosis, this is what they thought would cure it was more fresh air, and the things that would cure TB would be fresh air. A better diet, maybe some light exercise. That's what they were doing to try to combat it. I mean, makes sense. It does. It kind of build, doesn't that build up your immune system? Yes. Although you do know how Fort Wayne is and how cold it can get in the winter. Yeah. So that would kind of suck. Yes. <laughs> but that's what they did. That's what they thought would help. So I can't knock them for that. They were trying, at least. But it gets kind of cold. The goal remained to establish a sanatorium where sick people could be isolated and receive treatment. That was the goal. That's what they were trying to get. At that time, hey, I went through this already. <laughs> the most effective treatment. This was part of my next note. <laughs> so I already went through that. But bed rest, fresh air, mild exercise, and proper diet. Patients might have to spend months or even years in a sanatorium before they were recovered. Many did not. Unfortunately. I read that already. Alright, Irene became a respected and beloved figure in the community. She also was known around the state and country for her anti-TV work. She was such a strong local leader that the Fort Wayne League sold more TB Christmas seals per capita than any other in the nation. (laughs) In the summer of 1914, Irene Byron began campaigning for an outdoor hospital that would enforce strict rules of rest, diet, and fresh air. So she was the main person. She's like, we gotta get this and we gotta do it soon. Unfortunately, Irene started to, this started to take a toll on her. Working with all the TB patients, she was not doing very well, so she needed to take a break. So she did. She stopped her duties, and she went out to California, where some family lived, to get some R&R in. Rest and relaxation. In 1950... 15, 1915, when when she left, they actually did purchase a 797-acre plot of land eight miles north of the city on the lines of Fort Wayne and Northwestern Traction and the Grand Rapids and Indiana Railroad. Huh. Interesting. Yes. The first anti-TB facility was called Fort Recovery. I like the name. Yeah. It consisted of a farmhouse and a cluster of 14 small cottages where victims were isolated. 
the TV camp originally was to be built on donated land near the um, the county home, which that was the Allen County Asylum there on Bluffton Road. Yeah. So they were going to build it near there, but then the flood happened and it just wasn't a good idea. So that's why they moved it up north. Irene regained her health. But then a call went out in the fall of 1917 for nurses to serve in World War I. She was one of the first from Fort Wayne to sign up. Good for her. Yes. In late September of 1917, she departed for Camp MacArthur outside Waco, Texas. She once again was risking her life to care for soldiers stationed there that were sick with the flu, which could be very bad. Back in that day. Despite the hardships she faced, she hoped to be sent to war in areas in France. So she wanted to do more. This woman was badass. <laughs> she became ill in February of 1918. She grew worse. She was hospitalized and underwent surgery, but she continued to worsen and then died March 28th of 1918. She was 36 years old. Oh, poor lady. I know. She had a lot of 36 years. She did. And she did really great work. Here, I thought you were going to say 50-something. But... No, she was only 36. That's crazy. But, I mean, with the where she put herself, she did a lot of good, but that probably definitely took a toll. Yeah. But she did do a lot of good in her small little portion of life. Makes me really sad. Okay. I kind of want to cry. <laughs> I won't. All right. When it was learned that her body was to be shipped to California for burial, nurses and friends here in Fort Wayne sent telegrams asking to please not do that and send her back to Fort Wayne because she did a lot of stuff here and they wanted to bury her in her home yeah. where she knew where she did a lot of great work. But unfortunately, nothing came of the telegrams and Byron was buried in Fullerton, California, where one of her sisters lived. That was probably the whole uh, POA. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Power of attorney. Yeah. Going family, to the family overrides friends. Yeah. I know. Even if the friends are, have the better intention and the better thought mm. and the better stuff going on for the person, sometimes, you know, family's the one that makes the decision. Well, yeah, and I understand that. It's still just like, I mean, she lived here. She was from here. She did a lot of work here. But I she guess family. Did she sign up from, like, I know she was one of the first Fort Wayne women to go. Yes. And to sign up. But was she in Fort Wayne when she signed the paperwork saying this was her home? Or did she sign up in California because she was still in California? She may have signed up in California, but I'm assuming they would ask what your address is. And she probably would have put Fort Wayne. Yeah, but if you... Way back then, you never know what their mm. procedures was. So That's it could have been, okay, you left from California, you go back to California. Ah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe maybe because she was in Texas and her sister in California was the closest. That's where she was sent. Who knows? Who knows? Either way, Irene's work here was establishing the hospital. It was on its way when she left, but she never got to see it. So sad. She never got to work in it. I know. Here we go. I want to cry again. The sanatorium was dedicated on August 10th of 1919. 
More than 10,000 people went to the site to view the red brick buildings sprawled over the green landscaped campus. In the hospital next to the administration building, patients were treated by staff of specialists using the latest techniques. Amenities included a cafeteria, dining room, library, classrooms, and indoor recreation room, plus a tennis court, playground, waiting pool, and band pavilion. Oh, nice. This thing was, there was a lot of stuff. When Indiana Governor James P. Goodrich spoke at the dedication, he said three out of ten men who had attempted to enlist in World War I were rejected because of TB troubles. And that 40,000 people in Indiana were afflicted with TB. Of that number, 4,000 died every year. Oh, wow. He said the disease was like, um, this is a quote from him, like a thief in the night, more subtle in its danger than any army with banners, leaving sorrow in its trail. He praised county residents for building a facility from which would flow streams of healing. Ah. <sighs> All right, so that place was dedicated to Irene Byron. This was called the Irene Byron Sanatorium, which is what it was named. So let's go back to Fort Recovery. Although a show place through the 30s, the facility came on hard times until 1954 when the Allen County home, as it was called then, was placed under the direction of a new superintendent, Orville Miller, who lived at the facility with his wife, Sylvia, and four daughters. He took a vital role in updating the facility and inviting the community to help do so. Over a hundred groups came from surrounding community to help. He served up until his death in 1965. The facility became licensed as a nursing home in 1966. And then a new guy was appointed superintendent in 1970. Tom Castanis? I don't know. I'm guessing. Castanis. Sorry. Papers. Okay. When he was superintendent, the facility's name was changed to the Allen County Health Center. It was that year that the facility became self-sustaining. This was due to the implement implementation of the Medicare and Medicaid program. In 1974, the Allen County Health Center merged with the Irene Byron Sanatorium, forming Byron Health Center. So that's where it is, guys. That's where it comes from. It's the Byron Health I'm Center. Looking, when my internet loads, I'm looking at the pictures of the Oh, center. awesome. Yeah. It had a bed capacity at the time of 500. That's a lot. Yes. The TB unit was then closed in 1975, resulting in a 466-bed intermediate care facility. The Medicaid program, which paid the cost of care for the majority of the residents, did not provide sufficient funding to cover these costs, though. Rates had not increased sufficiently to keep up with inflation. The increasing cost of operating the facility resulted in the need for a subsidy from Allen County. John Mock became the administrator in 1989. By 1990, the cost of the county approached $1 million. Huh. And a decision to either close the facility or find an operator had to be made. 
Oh, man. In 1991, the Allen County Commissioner signed an agreement with Recovery was, Health Services. What? It was 20 years ago. You said 1991? 1991, yeah. 28 years ago. Yeah. Uh, with Recovery Health Services to operate the facility and Byron Health Center became the first county facility of its type to ever morph from being governmental in nature to being run as a private, not-for-profit entity in the state of Indiana. Cool. Yeah. So then we went through a lot of short-term administrators from 93 to 97. These were Ed Reef, Jean Larrabee, and Ken Lizard. 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 Ken Lizard. Peter Marotti took over operations until his retirement in 2012, when current CEO Deb Lambert took over the helm. So, she is still there. She is now the administrator. But, now we're up to current times. And you see how we went from the history now to current? I'm waiting to get to the creepy stuff. Um, you know, you could just wait. You just wait. Byron Health Center might soon move to a new location on Lake Avenue from its current location on Lima Road. I know. Oh, lots of stuff. I'm not even going to go through all this. Money issues. They're still trying to figure out, like, what to do with other buildings around the area. But they're definitely looking to move on to Lake Avenue. Yeah, I know. So, that's it. That's the history. That's the current. That is how we got the Byron Health Center. Interesting. This is the part where I tell you the creepy stuff. Yes. It's my favorite part of the podcast. This is also the part where everyone's going to be super duper disappointed. Not that much creepy stuff? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to... Yeah. There's literally one. That's it? (laughs) Yeah. That's it. I have scoured the internet. I have talked to people. I have just gone everywhere to try to figure out the creepy stuff of the Byron Health Center. There is one. All right. So before you tell me the one, what are the ones that people want to hear about? Like, the, I guess there's there's got to be rumors going around saying that there's creepy stuff in the Byron Health Center. You would think. So what are the rumors? This is, I don't know. I haven't heard any other than this one. This one thing. This is what you guys asked for. This is what you're getting. You're getting one. You got all of this history for one creepy thing. This is your fault. I blame you. (laughs) She says that with love. I love you all, but this is totally your fault for for just telling me you need to do a story about the Byron Health Center. Fine. I'll do it. I did it. I'm doing it right now. This is what you asked for. I love you, but this is what you asked for. It better be a good one. Like a really good creepy story. <laughs> All right. The old health care center. There is two different buildings. There's an old one. Now there's a new one. The old one no longer exists. It's been torn down. But the old health care center was shut down and a new one was built next to it. At the point this is being read, you could still walk around the old building. You cannot anymore. Okay. So as this says... You can still walk around the old building. No, you can't. You can feel a very ominous sense all around you. Keep walking around until you come to a staircase leading to the basement. The word basement has been covered and people have put up the phrase, the stairway to hell. 
shine your flashlight down the staircase and you can see the end. But when you start walking down, turn it out. It has to remain out. As you walk down the stairs, it gets colder and colder and more unsettling. But you can never reach the end. You can keep walking for a long time and never reach the basement at all. No matter how long it takes, you walk as far as you dare. When you turn around and go back upstairs, it only takes a fraction of the time to get back to the staircase. One witness reports, we walked downstairs for 20 minutes once, and it only took us three minutes to get back up to the top again. When we got back up to the top, we shined our flashlights down the stairs, and once again, we could see the end. It's very, very scary, and it makes no sense whatsoever. So here's my question. Just leave your light on. You can't, or else it won't work. You have, people are doing this because they want to get scared. Okay, I get that, but at the same time, it's like... I know, I know. Here's another thing that I, again, as I'm scouring the internet for something, I, I found one other report. Someone wrote this back in 2008. I've heard of the Stairway to Hell. My good friend went to it with one of his friends. His friend went down the stairs with him, but his friend had to go back up because the smell of sulfur was too bad for him. My friend continued to walk down the stairs till it got too bad for him, too. When he made it back up, his friend ran to him and said, Where have you been? You've been gone for five days. Just Probably his friend was messing with him. Probably. <laughs> Probably did take him a little bit to get, you know, going down further. But anyways, one more thing for you guys. This is from a current employee. So she still works there. I don't know her name. She's a licensed practical nurse who has been working at the Byron Health Center full time for more than five years. She says, people's perceptions are not correct. We are not haunted. It's an old building, but it's clean and bright in the resident areas. Royal, she said. There you guys go. That's what you wanted. I gave you what you wanted. I'm a little disappointed, Heather. I am, too, because I'm like, oh, yeah, Byron Health Center, that's great. I've heard of the Stairway to Hell. I wonder what other kind of things are there. Nothing. I have not seen anything on ghosts. I have not heard of anything about ghosts. It, there's nothing. I even went as far as to look into Elmhurst High School, where the poor farm was. And then I tried to find stuff maybe in that shopping center near Indian Village. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No one's reporting any kind of ghosts or any kind of activity in those areas. I have no idea. So, sorry, guys. That's what you got. <laughs> but now you know how we got the Byron Health Center. See, so you got a history lesson. Yeah, but I want to talk about creepy stuff. I agree. And I even went to uh, the guy that I work with, Dean. He volunteered there a lot in the 70s. And he still goes back every once in a while. And I went back there to ask him, hey, Anything weird? He goes, no. Nothing that he even heard of when he was a teenager. Hmm. And it was just, he said he worked back in the kitchen. And he said the basement of that building, which was was a little creepy, but that was it. Yeah, a lot of basements can be creepy. I agree. So That's why when my husband and I go look for a new house, he wants it to have a basement. I would love to have a basement. I'm excited about a basement, mm -hmm. but if I get a creepy feeling from that house in that basement, <laughs> it ain't happening. Well, I, I want a finished basement. 
You can finish an unfinished basement. Oh, I know. But that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying. Like a finished basement. Funny story about basements, right? Sure. Five years ago, yep. we were looking for, I was right after I moved here, we were looking for a house. You know, we've been in an apartment for a little bit, and it's time to go look for a house. My brother had come to visit. And the way it was working out is that if my brother hadn't have come to visit, the first time my husband would have met my brother was the day of the wedding. Oh, huh. So luckily my brother was able to come out to, you know, at least meet the man that his little sister was going to be spending the rest of her life with. Yeah, that's probably good. So the day that we had to take my brother to the airport, his flight left at 6 p.m. For whatever reason. So we spent all day with my brother looking at houses. Like, hey, we're off. We're both off with our schedules. And it was just, it worked. So I dragged my brother around to look at houses with me. We have this one house. It's a beautiful two-story house near other side of town. I'm going to forget exactly where it's at. I can show you where it's at if we're driving, but I don't remember where it's at. Beautiful two-story house, right? Full basement. Yeah. Creepy ass basement. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Like, it takes a lot to give me the heebie-jeebies. Well, yeah, you grew up in a freaking haunted house. It takes even more to give my brother the heebie-jeebies. Oh, man. Okay. We're walking through this house. I'm like, oh, it's got a lot of potential and this and that and kids and yada, yada, yada. And my husband's like, hey, guess what? There's a basement. I'm like, fantastic. Yay. My brother goes down first. Mm-hmm. Then I go down. My brother's comment about this basement is this basement was built for a serial killer. Oh, no. There's <laughs> like a drain in the middle of the there floor. Was a, there was a drain. It was oh, in the middle. Whoa. It was off the side. They had like a half oh. shower, but the, the, the shower piece came out so you could like hose the things down. Oh. It was cemented in. There was like cracks throughout the like the walls. It had like half walls and then like little. For example, Creepy. right? Yeah. Here's your main wall mm-hmm. back here. Then there's a half wall, and there's like this little tiny hallway that you can get to to get to this back wall area oh, where there's sure. stuff hidden. Mm-hmm. It was just, and it gave you the serial killer like that feeling, like something creepy has mm-hmm. happened in this basement. Oh yeah, like I can see someone being chained in that basement and no one ever knowing about it because of the way the basement was set up. It was so freaking creepy. My brother goes, "Great house, but you're not a serial killer, sis. <laughs> you can't, you can't have it. It's not. You're not. No. You can't have this house. No. Oh no, that doesn't sound good." Oh, yeah. no. I don't like it. So. Oh. Creepy. Good basement yeah. stories. Ugh. All right, guys. If you know any more about the Byron Health Center and you want to let us know, please do. Email me, heather at fortworthpodcast.com. You can get on our website. You can contact me through there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at fortworthpod. I know. I I. That's all I got, guys. I'm sorry. If you have more stories, please send them in. I'll do an update. I had an update about our last one, and I don't remember what it is now. Missy knows, but I don't remember. Oh, well. Anyways, Karen, tell me a joke, please. I had it. I had to find it again. <laughs> okay. This happens a lot, too. <laughs> I cut most of this I guess out. I'll do this one. Okay. <sighs> it's kind of cheesy. I love those. I already read it to you. Okay. Who wore bifocals and the... Who who wore... Start that over. Okay. Who wrote bifocals and the men who wear them? Who? I see clearly. (laughs) That is a good one. I like it. Oh, you know what? I didn't do a weird fact. Well, you did add your book. Yes, I did. 
I did a weird fact. I'm I was sorry. about the le- leading tower of Pisa. That's right. I did do it. Sorry, I'm just really excited about the book. I wanted to do another one. So do another one. No, it's okay. I'll wait. We'll have plenty for for future episodes. Oh, thanks for joining us, guys. Sorry about the raw episode, but you know, you're along for the ride with us. You're sitting in this extra chair where Cody sits when she's here. She w- she almost came. Oh, she should have. She had to meet up with her sister. Ah, oh, all right. Well, we'll have her some other time. I'm sure. So, so you're right here. You're gonna. You're our Cody. <laughs> so I was. I was wrong though. Why? We only had one. One interruption. We did only have one interruption. You Normally thought we'd have three. About three. Normally, it does come in threes. If we stayed out here longer, I bet you she'd come out again. We should time it. <laughs> oh shit! But that's it. That's the end of the episode. Love you guys, and we'll see you next week. You're not, you're not gonna say bye. Bye. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do your spiel on the whole like core pot. The existence of this.